All right, Justin. A through Z. B. B? Mm-hmm. Well, that's just a random-ass song. We actually have stuff for that one. I'm not prepared for it. Um, uh, I guess if you had to guess, I, I've created a new playlist. And there's three artists on it. Can you guess those three artists? Any one, like one of those three artists. Hmm. Little Nas X. Little Nas X is not on that playlist. Uh, Heather, what about you? Can you... Can you name one of the three artists, just three, on my newest playlist? Mm, it's tough without any clues, but let me see. And I'll say this. One of them is a uh, an artist or band that I just recently started listening to. They've been around for a while, but I just recently started listening to them. A band that you started recently listening to. I said artist or band. Artist or band. Okay. Mm. Mm. Sadly, that does not help me, but there's three artists on this? Yes. Three Um, artists or bands. Depending on how you want to look at it. Hmm. Um... I I don't know. I'm just going to say Lizzo. Lizzo is not on this playlist. Oh. One of them is somebody that's almost on every single one of my playlists. And that is Kelly. That's always a default. I don't know why I didn't go there. Yeah, I don't know why I didn't at least guess that. <laughs> We're both just like, damn it. <laughs> We should have known. Yeah, we failed miserably. That that should have been our first guess. I thought you guys were going to get at least Kelly because that's like a default. Like, oh, Sterling made a playlist. There's at least one Kelly Clarkson song on that playlist every fucking time. Yeah. We psyched ourselves out. We were like, it couldn't be the obvious, the most obvious choice. It couldn't be. And so, we, you know, psyched ourselves out on this. Yeah. Yeah. the The second artist on there is uh, Olivia Rodrigo. Because I, I do love her. Yeah. Yeah. And the third, and this is the wild card of this playlist, and the one I just recently started listening to, is a uh, band called Ghost. Okay. Um, hmm. They're more or less like Satanic Bon Jovi. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, like, I've never heard of them. It's so that I style of like, that. like dad rock. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, but it's like about Satan. <laughs> so, yeah. Now, what is this? What is this? Is there like a name or a theme for this playlist? No, nah, it's just it's kind just of my current one. vibe. Like, <laughs> okay, all right, and like. Especially, like, I mean, I guess the left field is, like, the Olivia Rodrigo part, because, like, 
it's not like I'm going through a breakup or anything. And that's like where her album would fit the most. Oh no. I just, I just really like her songs. So it's just those three. I think I might be adding some Paramore to that soon. I do love me some Paramore. I actually added Paramore to a playlist of mine recently. But yeah, like a um, friend of the podcast, uh, Katie, not the one that's been on the podcast, but a friend of the podcast, um, also known as Becca to some people. Uh, she's been talking about ghosts for years, like years. And I'm always just like, whatever, Katie. Like when you look at their stuff and everything like that, it looks like it's going to be like super heavy metal. You know what I mean? Like the lead singer dresses up like an evil satanic Pope. Well, sometimes, but for the most part, like, and he calls himself like Papa Emeritus. And then like the band is just people wearing in general devil masks and they call themselves ghouls. And I'm like, I'm just not like always in that heavy metal mood. You know what I mean? Like I haven't really been into that type of music in a very long time. So I just never listened to it. I just would always be like, whatever, Katie goes, okay. And then like, I heard one of their songs on TikTok and I was like, well, that sounded a little different. So I started listening to some of their other songs and I'm like, oh, I, I completely misjudged what this band is. Like it is, it is not that at all. Like it's, it's way more like it, also reminds me of a a, a band from a few a uh, few decades back that I mean people should remember uh, the darkness. Oh yeah, like that kind of anthony rock type yeah. of stuff. Uh, yeah, it's a lot like that. But like I said, about Satan. Interesting. Okay. So, yeah, but no, that's that playlist. Just weird old fucking music. So. You threw me off. I didn't think we were going to be talking music tonight. Like the funny thing to me hey. is like, I, I'm very much a creature of habit when it comes to my music. Like I like to listen to the same things over or same artists and stuff over and over. But then there's like this one store that I always go into where they always have really good music playing. And every time I go in there, I've always been like, who sings this? What is this song? And it introduces me to like new artists almost every time I go in there. So yeah, that's pretty cool. So it's helped me like grow my music selection a little bit. Well, what's the name of the store and who are some of the artists? You gotta. (laughs) Well, the store, it's a, it's actually a clothing store called discovery. (laughs) Um, yeah. So I just go in there every now and then and I'm just like, man, this is good music. So I recently discovered the artist uh Dermot Kennedy, who was recently on the Kelly Clarkson show, actually. She did a cover of one of his songs. Um I've probably and heard then, it and didn't pay attention. Yeah. I and don't then, care who's Kelly singing, I just care that she is. And that's understandable. I don't blame you for that. Um And then there's an artist um, from the UK. Her name is Freya Writings. And she's got a couple of really good songs that I discovered from that store. So, yeah, check them out. They're very good. Pretty much all my music comes from, it's 
artists I already listen to and they come out with something new or TikTok. <laughs> Actually, you're right. TikTok, I'm like, what is this song right now? Yeah. Justin, what about you? What about you and your music? Like, Man, when did you first I, I hear Unforgiven 3? <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. No, there's not going like we... Metallica hate tonight. <laughs> I feel um, like we... Let's take a break uh, from that. I, I think that we sort of, like, messed with him when he was in town last about some of the Metallica songs. And, like, you played some really, really long song on the album that he hates from Metallica. It was Saint Anger. Yeah. <sighs> the title song oh, of their best album, Saint Anger. <laughs> I just remember he's like sitting in the back seat and he's like, up. let's change Hold it. On. Hold on. I have to reposition myself. So especially on YouTube, they can see how serious I am. Saint Anger <laughs> oh, God. is Metallica's best album. Hands down. I don't care who you are. You know, it's true. <laughs> and you just don't like it. That I'm right all the time. So just accept it, people. Saint Anger is Metallica's best album. Or what were we saying, Justin? Oh no, YouTube's already blocked us. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I know. We're already blocked. And you are so wrong about that. Hands up, all the way up on that opinion. Not down. The fuck up. does that even mean, Justin? I don't know. I'm just trying to do the opposite. My hands are up. What you. now, Justin? <laughs> Still right. In fact, I look more like, irate and belligerent about it. Yay, I'm wrong. Like, <laughs> it's hey, like, I'm right. I'm wrong. I nailed um, it. But. <laughs> Touchdown. Sterling's right. <laughs> oh, man. No, no, no. Um, I you guess know I'm he's going to find like a way you. to turn it around, whatever you say. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Of course. But now, Heather, I guess I'm more like you, like, um, Definitely a creature of habit when it comes to listen to different artists and everything. And man, my music tastes are so all over the place. Like I, I say it all the time. If somebody had my phone or grabbed my phone or went through my music collection on my phone, they would be like, who even is this person? Because they're going to find movie soundtracks and video game soundtracks and there's anime stuff on there. So there's like songs where it's just nothing but Japanese. I've got some German songs on there. Like it's all over the place. And then other just American artists and stuff, you know, you'll run into some rap, some rock. I got some random, I, I'm not a fan of country music, but there are certain songs that, that might be on there that I like. And old ass like 80s rock stuff and stuff from you know uh, Marvin Gaye and all of that kind of stuff stuff from like before I was born and then I've even got like I mean I'm so all over the place that it's crazy but um but but like I have certain playlists for like when I'm working out and stuff like that and that's those are most of the time, my go-tos, like stuff that kind of gets me motivated to work out and keep going and stuff like that. So a lot of that is um, probably where I, I go to. And I don't know. 
I, I'm a big, big fan of like good video game music. I don't know what it is about it, um, but for some reason it just gets me going. I don't know. Maybe it just reminds me of a simpler time where I was just enjoying that stuff. So anytime I hear some of my, and, and I'm a big fan of like, I find artists that do remakes of songs and stuff like this. So I'm not sitting there listening to like Nintendo music. I don't want that to be misconstrued. <laughs> but what I like is when people take actual instruments and remix the songs. So I've got like a, I've got soundtracks of like Mega Man, which is a, you know, old school video game, but it's like all rocked out. They did like a rock man soundtrack and there's this uh, group called entertainment system and they do a lot of Nintendo tracks, video game, PlayStation tracks and stuff. And they just, but they put real music on them. Some, some, some songs, they add lyrics to them and it's just about the game, but you know, it's all instrumented up. And I like stuff like that. It's for me, that's fun stuff to listen to. So Yeah probably the most random of us three, but yeah, that's a lot of the stuff I listen to though. I like remake game stuff. Oh yeah. I have a wide selection of music, but yeah, I think yours is, is, I would say yours is probably more obscure as far as like a lot of yours is probably more just straight music and not necessarily lyrics. Right. Yeah. 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 And, And I, and I tell people all the time, a lot of that stuff I can't relate to. I don't know what it is to, you know, I I don't know. My life's not sad. I'm not really emo. I'm not really a a thug or a gangster. I'm not really, I don't know. You know, I, it's, I don't have the relatability of those things, you know, or like, Oh, the, the, the love of my life, I lost my love of my life. And now everything is sad and everything is blue. I don't know what any of that feels like. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I, I, I just, so while some of those songs, I do like them, like, of course I have Adele and I have some Lincoln Park. I have, I, I have all a lot of the popular stuff, but I guess as much as I like to listen to that stuff, I think the more you can relate to the music in some way, the more you tend to like it. And I don't find a lot of that stuff relatable. So I just, I don't know. Maybe that's why I wind up to in the more obscure stuff or the more just general music or why I can listen to classical music and enjoy that as much as an Adele song. You know, I, I don't, I guess with a lot of that stuff, I just don't have that relatability element. So it's kind of, it's all just kind of music to me, you know? Okay. question so when you say like yes. 80s rock do you mean like just metallica before they got good oh come on <laughs> i hate you i mean because what they got good in what 2004 roughly something oh, like that man. you so were just waiting you were just waiting to say this you just waiting what are you talking about you're just like a, just lying in wait like a <laughs> snake or something, just waiting to say that. <laughs> With a Metallica reference. Yep. Would you say that you're madly in hate with me right now, Justin? 
Just a simple question. You're gonna turn me into you're gonna turn me into Saint Anger. I'm gonna join the ghost band. <laughs> Be the 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 anger demon Jasta Taylor. That's fine. Because you'll be you'll, you'll you'll pray to your patron saint of anger, Metallica. Oh man! See, even my categories with me, right, buddy? Yeah, Metallica sucks, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> now this guy, he listens to a lot of K-pop. Hmm. He's a big BTS fan. Right, buddy. <laughs> He's one of them youths. Mm-hmm. I mean, has he heard the, the the cat soundtrack? I mean, after all, it's about cats. I mean, it might be music to a jellical cat, even. <laughs> yeah, the jellical cat, even. Yeah, he's not the cat's really got to know about his history. Yeah, but he's he's not an angelical cat, so he doesn't really care. Hmm. Like I still ought to know about his history, you know, and old Deuteronomy and stuff. You know, he he should catch and know about those things. Well, I'll play it for him this weekend. I'll see. I'll see how he feels about it. You have a claw mark across your face. (laughs) We'll go. He listened to that cat's album, didn't he? (laughs) Yeah, I'm gonna like wake up with no nose. Because my cats ate it off. Is that the one that was sick a while ago where you said they almost died or whatever? How is that one doing? She's good. She's at my feet right now just constantly meowing. Okay. Good. Good. I hadn't been on in a while and I remember, I want to say two episodes ago, or it might have been three, we had talked about that and I remember the cat. Yeah, no, she's, uh, she's finished her medicine. She seems fine now, just... Annoying. Mm, gotcha. So, anyway, you guys ready to get our Shazam on? Yes. Yeah, we prolonged it enough. <laughs> <laughs> just so you know, just like Scream 6 was last week, just be ready for another classic Sterling Bitch Fest. Uh oh. Anything but you. All right. Are you ready? Yes. Come on. Cinema Slayers. Hey, fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin. And tonight we are here to talk about what we'd like, didn't like, and everything in between with the newest movie in the DC universe of movies, Shazam, Fury of the Gods. We will go spoiler-free, recommendations and scores, and then into a more spoiler-centric section to allow you to jump around if you so require in YouTube and audio formats. And with all that, uh, Justin, since you've been gone, what are your spoiler-free thoughts 
about Shazam, Fury of the Gods. Was that a since you've been gone reference? Was, was that on purpose? I was actually wondering that too. <laughs> I At feel this like point, that was intentional. No Keller Clarkson reference is always intentional, but they're just there. Like they're just a part of me. <laughs> I see. Like I can't tell you how much I wish I had hazel eyes. I am missing out <laughs> on so much hazel eye content. From Kelly, because I don't have them. <laughs> well, whether it was an accident or not, that's a damn good song. That is definitely one you will find on my phone. But anyway, yep. um, we're not talking about that. We're talking about Shazam. You know, uh, I mean, okay. Well, well, to start off, I, I really liked the first Shazam film. You know, I mean, maybe love would be too strong of a word, but I liked the first movie. I thought that that the first movie had a lot of heart. I thought that the fact that they really delved into this dynamic of this kid or these kids becoming superheroes and stuff like that. You know, I thought that um, the, the the first movie because of its focus on that and the family element and everything like that, that movie really worked. I think it gave that the first movie kind of like a sense of heart that um, was missing from some of the other superhero movies that we were getting, especially uh, DC superhero movies that we were getting at that time. And then, you know, the, the first movie was funny and, um, in a lot of ways I, I laughed. I thought that the, the the humorous tone was was a good change of pace at the time. You know, I just I have fond memories of watching that movie. And then we get to this one, and man, I'll take everything I said. And the, Shazam Two is like the opposite of it. You, you know, this is, and it really sucks because maybe this movie was kind of doomed to fail given the current state of the DCEU or lack thereof or the fact that it's getting overhauled and everything's going to be changing, et cetera, et cetera. So there's already, I think going into this Shazam too, there's already kind of a sense of how much does any of this matter? Like how much is any of this going to carry over to anything else? How much does, is any of this (laughs) going to be, the the same after this overhaul that they're doing with the DC movies and everything. So it had that writing against it already, you know, going in, we already know that uh, probably a, not a lot of this is going to matter. So everything we see post credits, this, that, and the other, it's already got that stigma going in. But when I went in, it, it was, it almost felt like, and I don't know if you guys felt like this, but it almost felt like they forgot like what made the first movie good or what made it fun or what made it like gone was the focus of the kids and kind of w- what they were doing and their, and, and that family dynamic and stuff like that. Some of it's there, but it felt peppered in to this movie 
to, to, to its main focus, which was more about the, the, them being the adult superheroes and the Shazam heroes and stuff like that. And I don't know, I feel like that hurt the movie. I think that that hurt this and that sense of heart that the first one had, it just doesn't have. Um, the plot, if you want to call it that, is just so like, uh, and you know, and we said this when we did the Morbius review. This felt like a really old, like superhero movie. It felt like that, you know, these kind of cookie cutter villains and motives and things. The big CGI battle um, at the end with armies and stuff like that. Um, So, you know, and then even how it plays out at the end with, and and I won't get into too many things because of spoilers, but the, the, even the, the way it plays out in the end is just so typical of just something like from the early 2000s superhero movies. It just feels like it was just another recycled formula. Nothing felt, ambitious, nothing felt fresh or new about it in any kind of way. And it really sucks because I like all of these actors like Zachary Levi. I like how he performs as Shazam and everything like that. I still think that, that he's got a funny charm to him. I think a lot of the cast members, the family, the, the parents, you know, Megan good, like all down the list. All of them kind of have a comedic charm. They all still have that. And, and there are points in the movie where that you see that. You still see that. I just wish that the writing and the direction and the ambition served all of these people better. You know, I just feel like they all deserve better than this. This felt like just a cash grab sequel. This didn't feel like this was part of the plan. This felt like a cash grab sequel where it's like, oh man, that first movie did well. Let's pump out another one. That's what this felt like. It just felt very generic, very matter of fact. Um, I, I just sort of walked out of the theater and shrugging my shoulders was like, okay, that was a movie. Just nothing special about it at all. And for me, that's really disappointing considering I thought that the first film was had some special had some magic in a way and this one just it honestly just felt like it had none of that heather what you got yeah i i remember liking the first movie pretty well too and the it's a little conflicting with this one because I don't necessarily think that this was like a fantastic movie or anything like that. Um, But, and sadly, I probably shouldn't be doing this, but I do, I compared it with like the last superhero movie that I saw, which was Quantum Mania. And for me, possibly an, an unpopular opinion, I actually was more entertained by this one. I'm not saying it was a better movie. But I I feel like I was more entertained throughout in this one. Like, I feel like Quantum Mania for me, there were so many points where it lagged for me as far as pacing. 
And in this one, I didn't feel that as much. Um, also, I mean, there's factors into that where with quantum mania, <laughs> I went to go see it like so late at night. It was like midnight when I went to see that. So could be that, but I just, I feel like this one, the pacing was a little quicker for me. And so I was a little bit more entertained as a whole throughout this movie more than I was quantum mania. And that's why I'm conflicted because I don't necessarily think that it is a better made movie necessarily than quantum mania, but I just feel like it, you know, it it kept me a little bit more, I guess on my toes or more invested a little bit more than that one did. So that's where I'm kind of conflicted. But that being said, like, and and I think maybe part of it too is like, while it does lose a lot of the heart that the first movie had, kind of like what you said, Justin, I do still ironically feel like this movie still had more heart in it than Quantumania did. And maybe that's why I felt a little bit more like, you know, that with this, but all of that being said, it was okay. It was fine. It wasn't anything special. Uh, nothing particularly stands out about it. There's not like this amazing, memorable villain. Um, I think that some of the performances actually fall pretty flat when it comes to some of these things. Um, but then again, there's moments when there's very charming, you know, performances going on. I, I agree with you as far as the performances of the kids versus adult actors in this. Um, I think actually my favorite of that would be uh, Adam Brody's character, Freddie. I think that that's actually, I think Adam Brody has uh, a great skill for like very subtle comedy. So I really liked more so his role in this than most of the other adults, <laughs> superhero versions. Um And I think that he paired well with the kid version of himself better than some of the others as well. But it's, it's okay. It it feels like it does try a little too hard at a lot of times. Um, You're not really, I guess, storyline wise, caring as much about what's happening. Uh, It doesn't really feel like even in the moments when they're trying to make you think there are, doesn't really feel like there's any real, you know, threat or super high stakes for anything through most of the movie uh, because they do sort of have a lot of comedy in there in parts that relieve the tension of you feeling like there might be like a serious thing happening. So, um, and I guess in that way, it feels more lighthearted. It feels like there's not really anything super daunting that you need to worry about, even in the moments when you when they want you to be, I guess. Um, but it's, it's fine. It's an okay movie. Uh, it's definitely not the, not the best on that radar of, of great action films or superhero films that I've seen lately, but, uh, it's, it kind of just sits in the middle for me. Like a lot of movies have lately, I guess, but, um, I don't know if that speaks more to my, you know, being a little bit worn out on feeling like the superhero movies are running together in a way, <laughs> or if it's just this particularly made one and the last few particularly made ones just don't do anything special for me. So, 
yeah, it's it's fine. It's okay, but it does not stand out in any sort of way. Nah, this movie sucked. I was <laughs> I was beyond bored in this entire movie. Uh my 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 emotions in this movie were either bored out of my fucking mind or annoyed out of my fucking mind. Like I think it's tough to say, especially when it comes to like the Zachary Levi performance in this movie. Because the Billy Batson character is not in this movie much. And that's not really a spoiler. He's just not in this movie much. But I don't think that Zachary Levi really felt like an 18-year-old in this or an almost 18-year-old in this. Like he just felt like a 40-year-old guy playing like a kid. That's what he felt like this entire movie. He felt like, you know, like when comedians or like stuff like that, like where they, they try to act like they're a kid, like to make fun of them. He felt like he was doing that for this entire movie. But was just so fucking annoying. Like at no point did I ever find him charming or humorous or anything like that. I found him grating and just mind-numbingly bad the entire time. And I think that this movie also suffers from my biggest complaint about Shazam, and it's a problem inherent to the character Shazam, where you have that adult that that is actually a kid scenario because there's lots of jokes in this about grown-ass adults and children and that inherent problem that that ends up being. And this movie's like, yeah, oh well. Doesn't matter. And then on top of that, then like it's like I said, the performances are either annoying or they're flat. Like somehow this movie made Helen Mirren one of the most uninteresting characters ever. And she's a fucking dame. She is Dame Helen Mirren. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I want to say that Lucy Liu's performance was flat. And I want to say, what's her name? Rachel Ziegler? Something like that. I want to say her performance was flat. And then I started thinking about it and I'm like, well, not all of these actors can be flat. Like if anybody's not going to be flat, it's Helen Mirren. And I was like, oh, Oh, the script is just flat. That's the problem. The entire script is flat. So even when people are trying to elevate their performances, they're taking a flat, like, and they're just making it flat up here. Like, that's that's all they're doing is they're just moving how high the flatness is. And, like, this movie tried so much to be Deadpool. You know, with how quippy and like jokey and not serious things were. You're not that good movie. Like, you're not like, even though, and I say that, but I find the Deadpool character annoying. I don't, I'm not even talking about Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool. I'm talking about the character of Deadpool annoys me. And you, yeah, and this is like a kids' bop version. Yeah, and you out annoyed 
Deadpool for me. <laughs> like, but then on top of that, then everything else is just so paint by the numbers. Oh, generic ass villains. Check. Uh, a scene like the final boss fight thing, whatever, inexplicably having to take place at night slash in the dark. Check. A bunch of grayness around it. Check. Blue lights for whatever fucking reason. Check. I'm like, cool, DC. You've been having the same final third act for what, like 27 movies now? Jesus. It's like, they aren't trying. I, that was a complaint I had about the last one. And they did it again. They didn't even try. They just went up. Oh, we're going to do that. Like, and I'm like, oh, okay, I guess that's a thing. And just at no point did like, like Heather said, what did you feel like there were any stakes whatsoever? Like, I mean, honestly, you, I was at the end of the movie wondering if the final, like if, if one of the villains was going to die. That's how little stakes there were. I just I'll tell you who had a lot at stake Skittles. Cause how much did they pay? <laughs> how much? Oh my God. Did they pay? <laughs> and also I don't give a fuck if this is a spoiler or not. That unicorn shit was probably the most interesting thing in this movie, but also one of the dumbest things in this movie. Because once again, that's the direct thing. Same thought. That's yeah. a big thing to Deadpool. Unicorns. He's got the fucking unicorn. Like, that's a big thing. He's like, I love unicorns and all that shit. And this movie went, we can do unicorns too. Ugh. But like. But you are right about that being the most interesting part. I would agree with that. Because. And why does it work? Because there is one performance in this movie that is not flat. There is one performer in this movie who is probably one of the most underrated, underutilized, and underappreciated actors of our time. And that's motherfucking Digimon. I know I'm saying his his name wrong, but that is what I've called him literally his entire career. Because I love that man. And I love Digimon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's great. Yep. That's always been a, a gag with yeah, us. <laughs> he's Digimon. And he's fucking amazing. He's the one person in this movie that I was like, he was able to like just cut through the bullshit. And and actually act and perform and do something interesting. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's, it's that just little bit that it's, and it's, and like I said, that's why he's just lost. That man has been in more super, he's been in more franchises than I think people even realize. I mean, this isn't even the first time he's been in the DC extended universe. People will also forget he's an Aquaman. He is also a part of the MCU. Like this man is in everything. And he's fucking glorious and everything. He's been in a lot of bad shit. Don't get me wrong. But at no point am I like, man, 
If only he was better in that movie. No, that man is as solid as it gets every fucking time he's on the camera. Or on the screen, I should say. And just in this movie, he's the one shining light that brought any sort of hope or joy or entertainment. Uh, this this movie's what, almost two hours long? Over two hours? I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, it's too fucking over. long. However long it is, it's too long. And Digimon's in it too little. Too little. He could have been in this movie for almost every fucking scene, and I think it'd be too little. Because like I said, he's the only thing that kind of made me want to look at the screen. This final boss battle here in this movie was happening. I am struggling. And I mean immensely struggling to not fall asleep. So much so that I may have fell asleep for 30 seconds and just not even realized it. You know, like sometimes you do those like little blink sleeps, like in your head, you're like, I just blinked. But then to the rest of the world, you were asleep for like 30 seconds to a minute. Yeah. I may have done that in this movie. I have no way of knowing. (laughs) But, and and I'm talking like struggling. At one point, I had to like sit forward in my seat and, you know, kind of lean in like an uncomfortable position where my arms are holding my upper body up to stay awake. You know what I mean? Like to actively keep myself engaged with the act of sitting. To not fall asleep. And this is the climax of your movie. This is where everything in your movie has led up to this moment. And I've never been more tired in my life. We were supposed to record last night. And if we had recorded last night, I would have been recording with three and a half hours of sleep. In a 48-hour period. I would have been more awake for that than I was for the end of this movie. (laughs) Damn. It's just unforgivable. I say that. It's actually kind of on par with a lot of shit we get lately. But. And I don't know. I I think Heather... Where I mainly disagree with you about this comparatively to Quantum Mania. While Paul Rudd was whatever in Quantum Mania, he's infinitely more charismatic than Zachary Levi was. That is a true story. I'll give you, you know, that. And I got Michelle Pfeiffer. She was fantastic. And I got Jonathan Majors. At least Jonathan Majors was in that movie a lot. True. Yeah. If they at least put Digimon in this movie as much as Jonathan Majors was in Quantum Mania, maybe I would have been, you know, closer to me. I just, there were more things I appreciatively liked in Ant-Man, at least even acting wise, than anything I liked in this fucking movie. I mean, honestly, I kind of feel like 90% of the, the people that wrote and directed and starred in and produced this movie should probably all be in jail because it should be a crime <laughs> to waste a Helen Mirren. You, you had a certified 
legal dame in your movie. And you made her just nothing. Yeah, because at least Quantumania did not waste Michelle Pfeiffer. I'll give you that. That's fair. I, I can go get a sock and write Helen Mirren on it and do a hand puppet that would have just as much excitement as that character was in this movie. <laughs> and you love Helen Mirren. I do. I get it. She probably needed to buy a hot tub or something. I'm not mad at her. Right. And why did you even need her and Lucy Liu's character? I don't even understand why you needed two of them. And then you, you had a third person... Well, we'll get into what happens in the movie, but I, I failed to understand why you needed two of them, you know, or, or, or three people. Like, I think you could have just done this story with two and probably would have been better. And I'll get into why I'm saying that as yes, far as. Why did you need 85% of this movie? I mean, why is the <laughs> sky blue? Like so many things. True that. Recommendations and scores? Yeah. Yep. Recommendations and scores. Uh, Heather, go. Uh, it's tough. I mean, my score was, I don't know. I feel like us talking through it, my score changed a little bit here, but, um, do I recommend it? That's hard to say. Like, not specifically. I don't. Um, if if I do, I would say not needed in theaters. Like, you don't need to go to the theater to see this movie. Um, watch it if you want, but I there's nothing specific about it that I recommend. Uh, and yeah, so not necessarily. The movie is, it's okay. Uh, there are parts that I was, that I thought were okay, that I enjoyed. Uh, there are parts of it, of course, that fall flat, um, performances that fall flat. But again, there were, there were moments that were entertaining. The story as a whole, uh, it's not the smoothest ride. It's not the, the best story you're going to hear, but there, it kept me, I wouldn't say invested, but I, I was fine with it. I was fine with the story they were telling, but it's not like I was super invested in anything specific having to do with the story or any particular characters. So I guess my score, I was going to just go right down the middle with it, but sort of talking about some of these things that they, that were the flaws they are a little bit bigger than my initial reaction to it. So I'm going to give this a 48 um, riding unicorns through the streets out of 100. I'm sorry, what number did you say? 48. 48. Okay. Justin, what about you? Yeah, unfortunately... I don't think I'll be recommending this one. I mean, kind of similar to what you were saying, Heather, as far as 
I just don't think that there's a need to spend money on this. You know, if you really want to see this, just wait till it comes out on it's DC, right? So most likely HBO Max, right? It'll be there. So, you know, you could wait for this to come out. And honestly, you wouldn't be missing anything. And normally when we get on here and we do these comic book movies, I'm usually the one saying, well, you you still might want to, even though the quality's low, you still might want to see it because it's going to tie into this, that, and the other. I can't even say that. It doesn't even have that going for it because DC, the DCU is about to have an overhaul. So, you know, after James Gunn and everybody else is done with it. So I can't even say that. It doesn't even have that significance really going for it. So then you just get to, okay, well, if it doesn't have any of that going for it, it doesn't have the tie-ins going for it. It doesn't have all of that going for it. Well, then is the movie just worth seeing? And it's not to me. Like, and the thing about, you know, the comparison to Marvel, it's like, Right now, when it just comes to movies comparatively, this is a direct reflection, I think, of the Marvel movies and the DC movies. Because even when Marvel does mediocre, like Ant-Man, Quantumania, it's mediocre usually is still better than DC's (laughs) mediocre. You know, it's still like a step down. It's like the... The, the NFL and the XFL, you know, even when you're watching a bad NFL team, you're still watching a better team than an, uh, than prop than, than an XFL team or a college team or something like that. And that's kind of what I feel like, even though I didn't give quantum mania, the highest score comparatively, it's like, way better than this. I'm sorry. The the performances are better. The 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 even just like when comparing the third act, you know, that one was, you know, bloody and personal and stuff and this was just lights and just kind of a color show. You know what I mean? Like I just think comparatively like and that's not to say anything high about Ant-Man and Quantumania, it should be better than the DC movies. Marvel has established that. Marvel has put a lot of time and thought and effort and the actors and everything like that. That's a long continuing, that's a third movie in that franchise with those characters. It should be better than this. You know, it should. That's, I don't think that's really saying anything. This movie though, unfortunately is a victim of a lot of things. It's a victim of a DCEU overhaul. It's a victim of sequelitis. And unfortunately it just doesn't do, even though we started well with the first movie, with all the talent that this had and with the, and with all the people who showed up to work to try to do this script justice, unfortunately the script just doesn't, it wasn't able to, hold these people up, man. And and that's sad because like you said, Helen Mirren is in this. Um, Digimon, Hansu is in this. I mean, freaking, like there are a lot of people that I like in this. Um, and unfortunately, I just wish it had a better script. 
I wish it had something better to say. I wish that the execution was better for them. And it unfortunately wasn't. I mean, the only people that benefited from this was probably Skittles. I mean, I think that they probably benefited more than <laughs> just about anybody, or I hope they benefited. I don't know. Look at the box office numbers. Maybe they didn't. <laughs> Maybe they lost out too. But man, it seemed like more effort was made to product place them than it was this movie. So I'll at least give it that, you know? Yeah. A recommendation if you're a Skittle supporter. How about that? You'll have a great time. You'll enjoy that scene. So, yeah, we're going to go with, I'm going to give it 43. Damn, I want I want to see how much money Skittles paid for this product placement out of 100, because I can't leave it alone. Okay. So, Heather, you gave it a 48. And Justin gave it a 43. I will give it a five. Okay. Because, no, I don't recommend it. No, I didn't like it. And that's just the difference between both y'all's scores. So okay, I, I was about to say, what 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 got five points from you? <laughs> okay, I mean, did you understand? Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. You know, and the problem is, is it probably got 30 points because he was in it. And he did such a great job. So, if he wasn't in this movie and they kept the fact that he was dead true... Solid negative 25. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I give it a five. Uh, I mean, Digimon's out of 100. I mean, this this guy was, I mean, he was straight up Metal Gururumon for most of this movie, man. Actually, <laughs> I, I do prefer Where Gururumon. He is my favorite of the Gururumons, mm. which is my favorite of the Digimons, so... Yeah, five. Um, so that means the official Cinescore for this movie is still, weirdly enough, a 32. Okay. You would think we'd be giving it a fucking five. It would have dipped drastically. But no, it didn't. Anyway, that's all I have to say in this section. Spoilers? Yep. Yeah. Spoilers. One big issue I have with this movie is how the magic supposedly works. So Mary, now that she's an adult, when she goes from kid Mary to to superhero Mary, it's the same actress. Right? Because she's, you know, old enough to play the older version. Does that mean in like three weeks of movie time, all of a sudden now Shazam's going to look like 18-year-old Billy Batson randomly? 
Because he's only like yeah. a couple of months or whatever, like a year younger than her. Mm, good point. It says she's he's so it's like like is there a weird magical like age restriction that if you're under eighteen, it makes you look like an older version of yourself, like in their forties. But if you're eighteen, you're now gonna look like an eighteen year old. And I think that that's one of the weird things they did in this movie with it. Because, and I, I know that it sounds like a weird nitpicky thing, but God, I thought about it so much in this movie because they kept being like, man, you're about to be 18. You're about to be 18. But I'm like, but why does your Captain Marvel, like your, your, your Shazam have to look like a guy in their 40s when your sister's Shazam is just her? Like it's yeah, weird. that's a good it, question. It doesn't, it's just a weird choice they made with it. But I think it kind of is symbolic of a lot of the issues this movie has of they thought of something, so they threw it in there and didn't really care if it made sense or didn't or if it mattered or not or if it worked or not. You know, they have that whole thing of like, oh, we're going to fight a dragon. And they're like, man, that sounds cool. I feel like they just wrote that scene based on the writer's room. Like, somebody goes, man, what if you fought a dragon? And one of the other ones is like, yeah, man, you need to fight a dragon. And they went, yeah, let's put that dialogue in this movie too. Like, that's what this movie feels like. Like a, hey, wouldn't it be cool if that staff we broke and threw away in the first movie mattered now? Like, wouldn't it be cool if we hint at the other superheroes without heads just because we did it at the end of the last movie? <laughs> wouldn't it be cool if we implied it heavily that this child is legitimately trying to get a date with Wonder Woman? Wouldn't it be cool if this child made out with a 6,000-year-old that looked young? That bothered me. Yeah. Yeah. And then the movie was like, well, we're going to joke about it, so that makes it okay. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. That is what made it worse, the fact that they went. Shouldn't we have a problem with that? Eh. (laughs) Because he's not even 18. Like, he's even younger. I think like, I think he's like two years younger or something like that. So it's even weirder. And also like, that was the most pointless reveal ever because the, her being Anthea, the third daughter of Atlas, because like, no shit. You're not going to have the main female lead from Steven fucking Spielberg's remake of West Side Story come into your movie to be the maybe background character love interest to the side character and that be it. Oh yeah, not to mention she's also cast to be the live action Snow White in Disney's live action Snow White. 
But nah, she she gonna be a side character. Oh, we tricked you. Yeah, no. She's also one of the main character villain people. Duh. Like you're not surprising anybody with that DC or writers or anybody associated with this fucking movie that thought that that was an actual reveal. Like, did I know she was the third daughter of Atlas? No. Did I know she was going to fucking matter way more than they were acting like she was going to in the movie? Yeah. And so what was the only role she could have been in this movie when they went, Atlas had three dollars or three daughters. I'm like, well, yeah, she's the other daughter. Like, that was just like some matter of fact. I'm like, yeah, she's the other daughter then. And then the movie goes, and Thea? Oh, no. Like, get the fuck out of here with that shit, man. And also, what is the powers of Axis? The fuck does that mean? Because, like, at that one point in the movie, Freddy goes, oh, you've got Axis powers. That's cool. He said that like that's a thing. He said that like it was invisibility or flight or any normal-ass superpower. He said that like, oh, hey, you've got an iPhone too? That's cool. Like, what the fuck was that? The powers of Axis. Which is what, Kmart Doctor Strange powers? Yeah, or I was just calling them like Minecraft powers or Jenga powers or just whatever I could think of of stacks or buildings or anything like that. I was just like, what is this building? But but most of the time it was just moving buildings, it seemed like. So it was, I was kaleidoscoping just her, shit. It was doing yeah, an like, inception. It was moving it out, but moving it back. Yeah, I was like, okay, she's building woman or, yeah, Inception girl. I was just calling her stuff like that in my head throughout the whole movie. Like, okay. Like, I don't know. Like, it just was one of the weirdest things ever that they were like, they made it sound like that's just a thing. You know, like Superman, he can fly. He's got laser vision. He's got ice breath. He's impervious to bullets. You know, he's got super speed. He's got Axis powers. You know, normal superhero shit. Just why? I mean... And then you get to the end of this movie. You you get through like two hours of bullshit. And then you get the most lazily written fake character death in movie history. Like, no shit, he wasn't dead. You literally (laughs) wasted time and money and resources on filming that, like, extra two minutes to make it seem like he was dead. Because just, like, of course he wasn't. Kind of like how if I stub my toe, I also don't die from it. Like, duh. And then Wonder Woman comes in. And what is also obviously one of the worst body doubling bullshit fucking things ever filmed. 
Because at no point do you actually see Gal Gadot's body in this movie. <laughs> it's a yeah. stunt double or a, a, a double that they were like, oh, we use that for the lighting, you know, and like the, the thing. And then Gal went and filmed her version of it in like Italy or wherever the fuck she was at. And they just like superimposed the images with each other. And I'm like, well, duh, because she's obviously not there. And even if she was, why? 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 Like, I I know that it's you. You've got to ride that fine line of ha- like bringing in other characters to make it feel like a shared universe, but also not bringing them in to let your characters kind of stand on their own. I get that that's a tough fine line. A lot of movies fail at it. Like when they don't have enough characters, everybody goes, well, why was no one else there? And if they have too many, they're like, it's just a cameo fest. Who cares? Like, I get it. It's tough. But if you're going to have cameos, have them, I don't know, have a purpose. Other than you've got something in your teeth. <laughs> and that's it. Yep. It's dumb. It's yeah. pointless. It's you're not servicing yourself. You're you're and I'm sorry, like Gal Gadot kind of lost goodwill after Wonder Woman 84. Like nobody's really clamoring to make sure that Gal Gadot stays Wonder Woman. I'm not saying she should lose her job because of the shakeup, but also it's not going to phase me if she's not Wonder Woman anymore. If they go and recast Wonder Woman right now, it's okay. You got one good Wonder Woman movie and a bunch of whatever else Wonder Woman fucking scenes. You know what I mean? Like Wonder Woman two sucked. Batman versus Superman sucks. She might be one of the better things in it, but still she's only in it a little bit. So you got some good scenes. There's some okay scenes of her in either version of the justice league, but like that's it. She's unfortunately what they did with her character. And I'm not going to blame her for it. What the writers and producers of the DC franchise or the, the universe, whatever you want to call it, what they did with her character kind of makes her character not iconic, not necessary. I mean, so like why? As much as I don't think Ezra Miller needs to be in shit, at least if Ezra Miller was in this movie, it makes more sense narratively because his movie's next. Or Aquaman, because, you know, his movie's next. After that, another next next. Or I don't know, the Blue Beetle. Throw that guy in there, because his movie's also in the pipeline, like, coming out this year. Like, something. Not, like, think about it like this. This is potentially the last time you're going to see her as Wonder Woman. And it was that scene. Is it worth it? No. So, like, why? 
But unfortunately, that's the problem with all this movie. Why is Helen Mirren in this movie? No one knows. Her character dies and has a change of heart in like five seconds. Yeah. Yeah. And you already, and my point was, yeah. And my point was going to be, you already had a character that did that. You know, kaleidoscope woman did it. So why did you need two people to do that? To have a change of heart and all of that kind of stuff. Why did you need two people to do that? Helen Mirren could have not been in this. And Lucy Liu could have been the main one with kaleidoscope girl. And then she has the change of heart because of the relationship with guy or whatever. And you could have just had those two. Why did you need two characters, two sisters to have the, the, the change of heart? I just, I don't know. I, I, I didn't like, it felt like we were kind of recycling arcs there, you know? Yeah. But that's like, that That kind of speaks to what I'm saying is like, this movie wasn't trying. They just went, hey, how much shit can we throw in here? You know, like they have that whole scene about. uh, Like, I, I feel like they even did with the dialogue because they have that scene between Mary and Billy. And she's like, yeah. I know you're scared because you're going to age out, but you know, you're going to have to do something because they're going to need help. Like they're upside down on their rent. They might not be able to even afford this place and you're going to cost them more money. They go on this whole spiel like that just for them later to be like, Oh no, the house we just bought. And they go, you bought the house. And they're like, yeah. Yeah. And then, and then what? (laughs) What? (laughs) I thought that was going to play into a bigger part of it too. That's the story arc. Of the parents. Yeah. That's it. It yeah. ends there. Nothing else happens with it other than they're getting their house built again later. That's it. Yeah. Well, and then he was like, oh, I'm going to age out. You know, oh, I'm going to age out and everything. And she was like, you'll always have a home here. Your age doesn't matter. You're always going to have a home here. You know, we'll always be family. And he was like, so happy to hear that. And I was like, okay, so this, so his entire arc, you know, Shazam's entire family dynamic for that. Billy's arc was just something that could have been a simple conversation. Like, and I hate when movies do stuff like this. That could have been a five minute conversation he had with them. And that would have cleared all that shit up. You know what I mean? But they made it seem like that was this big thing that was weighing on him was, oh no, the house and I'm going to be aging out and all this kind of stuff. And it was like, that could have been a five minute conversation with his folks. Yeah. It, in it, the story. Is it just make like, I, I, I get that it's supposed to be a heartwarming moment whenever they're like, he didn't call me mom. And then the literal Next scene they have together, I know it's like 30 minutes later in the movie, but it's literally the only other time they're around each other. Like, next. He calls her mom. I'm like, well, we knew that was going to happen in this movie. Like, right? Like, yeah, that's obviously what was going to happen. But you didn't even have any more scenes between them to maybe like, I don't want to say foster tension, but like build up to it or something. 
Yeah, build up to it. And nothing they do like that feels earned at all. Like none of the big moments that they give you are earned at all. Yeah. Like how much better would it have been if there was a scene where they were actually like sitting down and like Billy's kind of worried and they're like, well, what's wrong, Billy? And he's like, I just don't know what's going to happen because I know you guys like you do everything you can for us and super grateful that you, you know, that you, you took me in and. I know it hasn't always been easy, but like this is the first time in my life it really felt like home and I'm just scared because because it could actually end soon. And then they're like, well, why would it end? And he's like, well, I'm going to be 18 and I don't want to be a burden on you guys because you've done so much for me. And they're like, well, what do you mean, Billy? Like, and he's like, well, I, I know you're, you know, you're kind of hurting financially and, you know, like rents a thing and all this stuff. And they're like, who told you that? Like we've bought this house. We're actually doing pretty well. But I mean, even if that wasn't the case, like this is your home too. Like you're a part of our family and, and you'll always have a place here regardless of anything. Like that's what families do. We, you, you stick together even when times are tough. Like that's why we're a family. And then you're like, man, I just, I guess I never really understood what a, being in a family meant. And then, that ties into like 90% of the f- weird side stories with all the characters in this movie. You have that conversation and that ties all of them in. Like it, it explains his mentality towards them, their mentality, everything like that. And so the next scene when they're doing all the stuff, they're like, Oh my God, our kids are superheroes, blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, thanks. I love you, mom. Earned like, duh. Like it's, it's a full circle moment. Like you, you take his fears and his worries and all these things that he's had bottled up. And they're not just resolved in like five seconds of them. Hey, go save the world. But remember, we love you. Oh, wow. I'm loved. Thanks, mom. And that's it. Like you could have actually had a deeply personal and heartfelt moment between them. That, like I said, would directly address his fears and worries and how about, you know, just normal life, but how those also tie in to the greater scope of things as of, of him as a superhero. And they just go, Hey, you're great kid. You can stay here still. Oh, thanks. Love you, mom. I'm going to go save the world now. So glad we resolved those emotional beats. In this movie. It almost would have been better if by the time of this movie, they were already on better terms. Like they were already at a place where he was calling her mom. That might have actually played better in this second movie. I mean, you might as well have because you didn't develop it. If you're not going to develop it, just have it be developed. I'm it's much more willing. I'm, I'm much more willing to accept that things have developed between movies than I am you half-assing just acting like you're developing shit when you're not in the movie. Just tell me they developed in two years when we weren't in a movie. All right, cool. Done. I mean, how many times have we done that with Star Wars? Every Star Wars movie 
like is like four years removed from the last one minimum when they're in the same trilogy. And then on top of that, they're decades apart when they're, you know, in the different trilogies. And we've all just always accepted it. So. I don't know. Those are my thoughts so far. Who wants to go next? Justin, you haven't done this in a while. What are your spoilery thoughts? Yeah, you're on point with a lot of that. And I think that just the lack of attention to the the kid side of it for all the characters, but 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 namely Billy, just the lack of attention to that aspect of it leads to scenes like that where we're seeing these what are supposed to be heartfelt scenes, but like Heather said earlier, it just doesn't feel earned because we were too busy kind of shazamming and doing that kind of stuff and doing the Zachary Levi, look at me, I'm funny, shazam stuff. So that family stuff just kind of got cut short, man. So the actors are doing what they can with those scenes and trying to, have some human elements and relatability, but it just, the movie just didn't feel like earning anything or like this five minute relationship between 6,000 year old, you know, kaleidoscope girl and him. Like it was just like, Hey, one thing happens at school and now we're just in love with each other. And boy, they just wrote that for all it was worth. Like that, that just was, they met each other and it was just damn near love at first sight of bullying or whatever. And they just ran, they just ran that into, and I thought, okay, it might be something that sort of develops as we go along, but man, they, they leaned hard into that. And immediately this woman who had this mission to restore the realm, their godly realm and all of this stuff, she just drives all of it for this guy, for this child. When you are 6,000 years old, like, man, they didn't earn that at all. And it was so big into this movie. It was such a big component in this movie. And they didn't think they needed to earn it at all, you know? So. Well, was it also not made worse when Freddie goes and they're like on the roof? And he's like, yeah, I know Captain Every Power. She's like, oh, wow, really? He's like, yeah, I can call him. Walks to the other side of the roof, shazams, loud-ass thunder thing, and then he shows up on, like, Captain Every Power shows up on the other side. And she's like, wow, now it's a trap. Oh, no, I feel so bad. And they're like, tell us where Freddy is. And he's like, I don't know. And then he, like, gets zapped. And then she's like, he's Freddy? No fucking shit. Like, is she the <laughs> dumbest God that ever existed? Was yeah. it not one of the most insanely obvious things to ever fucking happen? It only could have been more obvious if he shazammed in front of her. Like, yeah. while they were in front of each other. Like, they're holding hands, physically touching when he did it. That was so fucking dumb. And like, I know sometimes as an actor, you have to, you have to play characters that are dumb. I get it. 
But like, would that not be insulting as an actor to read that and go, I'm supposed to act like what? <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry. I'm supposed to act like I don't literally see the lightning bolt change him when I know exactly what their powers do. Yeah. Get out of here. And I just You're like, like four million years old. True. Like you would have recognized that immediately. Like immediately you would have recognized that. So it's just stuff like that, man. Like none of that stuff was earned. And I totally agree about what you said about the wonder woman thing. I mean, rather than the fake death, save him and all that stuff. If she was just going to save Shazam, then why not just let her show up and fight the villains too? I mean, that almost would have just been better if they just did a cool little team up at the end of that and just took down this, you know, took down the Lucy Lou and the dragon and everything. And they just worked together, you know, they could have just done that. And it almost would have been, you know, she arrives in the midnight hour and is like, I got your, you know, your, your, your paper letter and got here as quick as I can, you know, like it, that almost would have been better than the fake death. Something's in your teeth. I'm a God too. So I can make this staff. I, I mean, it was just like, all of that was so dumb to me. And I was like, you could have just had a fight. I would have just preferred that. You know, we know who Wonder Woman is. We've seen she's been in all these movies and stuff like that. Um, Instead of just doing the same kind of cameo we get all the time and just have a fight. Why not just have her show up and fight a little bit? You know? Why not? Why not? I think it would have been better than that. Yeah. You know, it would have been a much kind of cooler than that. And then have him as Shazam earn some respect from a peer. You know what I mean? Because that was a storyline too, that they didn't mind fleshing out or developing was this whole idea that the world didn't see them, or at least the city really didn't see them as these best superheroes. You know, they were always breaking stuff or, you know, it seemed like there the media was kind of focused on, even though they were saving people, they were calling, what were they calling them again? Uh, I forget what they like were the calling them like the, or something. Yeah. The Philly. Yeah. Follies or the Philly misfits or whatever they were calling. Them. So there was kind of this element that, okay, they're not looked at in the best light as superheroes. Well, that would have been a cool moment. If at the end of that wonder woman, who is a respected superhero got on the media and said, no nah, man, you know, this dude is, you know, Shazam, he's all right. You know, Shazam is pretty cool. And he actually got some respect as a damn hero. Why wouldn't that have been way cooler than what we got? You know, the whole fake death. Oh, wow. Hey, can I go on a date with you? I'm just barely 18 and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, You know, like I just, you have the elements there. Why not do something like that? You know what I mean? So that just another disappointing element. And then, like, these villains, I just, I mean, there was just nothing interesting about them. Like, oh, we're going to do this and we're going to get our, you know, they were just so cookie cutter and 
The mission was just so straightforward. Nothing really, really relatable about them. And and they just felt like old villains from old superhero movies. Like this is the person that's going to get defeated. And that's just going to pretty much very one dimensional. Yeah. Yeah. Just super one dimensional. Nothing at all. She's a God of chaos. So that's what she is. And, you know, it was just very. And I guess they thought, oh, but look, two of them are going to turn to the side of good. You know what I mean? And that's going to make them different. But that's not what it felt like at all, because like we said time and time again, it just didn't earn those turns. None of that felt justified at all. So it just wound up just all being just very mediocre. And I mean, and, and Marvel is guilty of this too, but I'm just starting to seem see the same kind of third act where you got this army of CGI stuff and, you know, because we need all, cause we have all these characters, right? So there's gotta be something for them to do. And we can't all fight the main villain or whatever at the same time, because our main superhero has to do that. So we're going to make, have these CGI monster villain things to give everybody else something to do, some army of them. And then over here, we're going to have the imminent fight that when, when that baddie goes down, then the whole threat disappears and stuff like that. Uh, we got to start coming up with something better than this. I mean, like, I know you had posted a thing, Heather, about, like superhero movie burnout. And I think um, the, the burnout is because these, a lot of these movies are starting to feel the same, you know, they're just starting to feel very, just like super formulaic. And I think that, and maybe somebody could argue, well, a lot of them have always been this way, but I think the storytelling and the acting and the chemistry of the leads and stuff like that is dwindling too. So now those things are not holding up to some of these formulaic stories that we're telling. Like, I think that the ones that I tend to enjoy more are the ones where the acting and the, and, and the, and the stuff and like, kind of like that stuff in between where the actors really like bring meat to the rose or like the rose or a little meteor. Those tend to, I tend to enjoy those more, even when they have formulaic pieces versus something like this, where you just have none of that, you know, it has none of that going for it. The, the, the roles aren't meaty enough the chemistry with the leads isn't good enough, isn't good enough to like hold the movie up. It's really apparent in something like this, you know, this just feels so bare bones without those elements. But I think it started to become a thing where even those things like that, that you normally lean on, like the actor performances and stuff like that and the chemistry and stuff like that, even that I think is starting to dwindle a bit and it's starting to become like not even that is able to hold up a movie that's like this, where you have like a talented cast, but 
still the these these formulaic elements are starting to overtake what used to be the good thing about these movies, yeah. I feel, in a way. Yep, I agree with that. Keep it going, Heather. Yeah, it's... The thing with this movie is it did feel for me like a lot of performances were being just phoned in. Especially, like, I know you sort of said you can't really tell if Lucy Liu was performing flat because just the script was flat. And that's not wrong at all. (laughs) But there was just something especially flat about Lucy Liu's performance for me in this movie. And I think even just like her line delivery when she's supposed to be like, you know, angrily saying something or powerfully saying something. She's just like, ah, like (laughs) she's just not even, it just feels like she's bored with herself in this movie. (laughs) It's just very not there for me as far as like believability. So that, and that kind of hurts it because again, we've been spoiled with a lot of superhero movies with really good villains and really dynamic villains that you kind of start to either root for or be like, you know what? I understand their motive or whatever it may be. And you get none of that in this movie. Um, So yeah, you're, you're almost just like, what's, what's the point of the villains? Because also like, you know, especially Lucy Liu's character, she seems so like, you know, threatening and all these things. But when it came down to it, it, the convenience of, of how things go, and it is also part of the script is like when, when she's in that little bubble with, uh, with Billy or Shazam or whoever, she's literally like just kind of standing there waiting for things to happen. You know, she's standing there just, <laughs> just responding to what's happening. Like she wasn't even like trying to go after him. She's just kind of like, Oh, looks like he's about to do something. I wonder what it is. And then just like trying to look shocked when it's happening. And it's just really weird for me because it didn't feel like she was really like trying to actually fight anything. Like literally she, it's almost like she's supporting character for this superhero to show off. Like, you know what I mean? That's just kind of how she felt for me throughout the whole movie of, I'm going to pretend to be really angry and scary, but I'm just really going to stand to the side and let you do things before I even retaliate. Like it just was weird to me. I don't know. Um, And yeah, I agree about Rachel Ziegler's character. It was very obvious she was going to be a bigger part of this. And that whole thing of her and Freddie, I just really hated it (laughs) because it it was like, I've known you for two days and I am risking everything in my entire family for you, you awkward kid that I'm not even sure if I like or not until the end of the movie. And it just, the whole thing played out super weird for me. Um, I don't know. And like the, uh, the kid that plays Freddie, I think his name is Jack, Jack Grazer. Um, he was, I, I think as far as kid performers, I mean, I think we see more of him than anybody else um, as in the kid form anyway. And his dynamic with um, Digimon was pretty, it was probably one of the better things about the movie if I had to pick something that was not terrible. Um, 
And I say that, like, I, I said I was entertained by this movie, and I was. But it's moments like that that I think were the entertaining parts for me. Some of the dynamics between the characters, like them, I think was was really good. Um, I I think that the weird thing about Freddy's character, though, is it feels like he's going to have this huge character arc in this movie. And it's not really that it, it it's it's almost like it it goes like a seventy five percent of the way and then it just kind of stops developing for him and I thought that was weird because you feel like you know he's just like I'm this guy that wants to go on my own I want to prove that I could be a superhero by myself and I have the ability to do this you know especially because of how horribly he's bullied all the time even still and he gets to this certain point where you think he's going to have a full circle moment of, you know, realization or something of like, I am already a superhero. And I don't know. I just feel like they were going to do something more with what they were building there. And they didn't really follow through all the way with what they were trying to do with his character. So it just kind of felt a little bit half baked in a way, but, um, that being said, I do think he was probably one of the highlights of the movie. And um, Adam Brody, the adult version of him, he is kind of, for me, one of those people that he's never the worst thing about a movie for me. He's usually one of the most pleasant surprises in like, even if it's a random cameo, a smaller part, I typically enjoy the performances that he gives, even if he's not in something for a very long time. Um, so I enjoyed that aspect of it as well. Making good actually, I think did really well playing the older version of the young, the youngest girl. Um, you know, I individually it's fine, but again, there nothing about their performances is enough to elevate the flat script. And that really was the problem. Like, yeah, it was, it was entertaining to watch as far as like, there was always something going on on screen and I think that's why for me, I say I was more entertained by this um, than you guys were. But it it's not a fully developed story. And even at the end, when they try to do the fake out of Billy dying, I don't know that anybody actually believed that he was going to ever die. Like nobody really believed that that was a thing because no, but um, <laughs> except the I think also part of like the interesting thing about my experience at the movie theater was the the family sitting in front of me was so very vocally just everything. <laughs> it was like there was it was a family with uh, they had two kids. It was a parent, two parents, two kids, and the parents were the talkers. And I'm talking like talking at the screen when things were happening, um, wanted to give their opinion of every single trailer, wanted to give their opinion of mid credits, after credits, all that, just the whole way through. It was an interesting time. (laughs) Maybe that's what I was entertained by, even though it was annoying, but it was just like out of nowhere. I don't know. But they're like talking to the screen and I think they are the only people that actually thought that that kid died. (laughs) They were like, they're like, somebody do something. Give him CPR, something. You got to resuscitate it. Like they were just really talking to the screen during that moment. And it was very funny. (laughs) 
So <laughs> I don't know. But otherwise, I'm just like, this isn't this isn't really a thing. Like, they're not going to go out like this. He's not going out like this. There's just no way. But they were very invested in that and thinking that he was dead. So, um, <laughs> but I don't know. I think that, and I wanted to like that Wonder Woman cameo more than I did. At first I was like, oh, that's kind of like funny how they do the fake out, but it's not really a fake out. Um, but then at the end, yeah, like they did not utilize her. Like I agree that she should have probably been in a battle fighting. Maybe her way of saving Billy before he actually died was she shows up at the very end. He's about to get defeated in the bubble thing. And she comes and she's, she saves him. She does something to help defeat. That would have probably been a better use of her cameo in that movie. Um, but yeah, I also agree that Helen Mirren was wasted in this movie, unfortunately, um, and just so quickly on a dime turned between like, I'm the villain, I want to help the heroes, and also not earned, also no development of why. Like, yeah, she was mad because her sister obviously killed her, <laughs> but Otherwise, like, what was her reasoning and her motivation for just being like, all right, fine, I'll help you, even though I did all of this work to try to destroy you like five minutes ago. I don't know. It, it just didn't make sense. It, it was not earned at all. Um, what else is there? I mean, I don't know. I also was wondering, too, like, there's the moment when um, Shazam is realizing who Anne is. Anthea, I think, is her real name, right? And he's like, he's like, Anne, Anthea. First of all, I think that's a really big stretch to just assume that just the person who <laughs> has a common name of Anne is just Anthea automatically. Um, I feel like that was kind of a stretch. And also, if I could be misremembering, but I don't think that he knew what that girl's name was. Like, I know Freddie was talking to him about like, yeah, I mean, friends, like I'm talking to this girl. I don't think he ever mentions her name, does he? So how does he even know like that her name is Anne? Like, I don't know. I could be Heather, wrong on that, but I don't think he did. You are asking me to care more about this movie than they did. <laughs> by remembering something <laughs> like that. I'm just saying, yeah, it's... <laughs> That is fair, but I'm just saying, like, I was like, how does he, how would he even know who that is? But yeah, just that huge leap, even if he was right about Anna's Anthea, like that huge leap that he took, Anne, Anne, oh, Anthea, Anne, like, what? <laughs> that's just, that's such a stretch for me. I don't know. Um, I vaguely enjoyed the uh, Steve, the pen. That was fine. That was a probably a better part of the movie. Um, yeah, I don't know. I do think that with the jokes that they do, even though they're children, so their jokes are going to be a little bit more on the silly side or like the immature side. I think that they did suffer from trying too hard with some of the jokes as well. Some of them landed. Some of them did not land as well as they wanted it to. And it, it, it just made it feel very much like, we're rehearsing this dialogue right now to get a reaction. 
Um, and it just, it didn't feel organic when they were doing the back and forth between most of the characters. So yeah, I don't know, but I did, I actually, like I said earlier, I enjoyed the unicorn part. I don't know why I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, and just like the fact that (laughs) the, the little girl was just not at all afraid of, of the unicorns was kind of funny. But yeah, I, I, you're right though, because in that moment too, um, what is Digimon's name in the movie? I don't remember. Um, just the, the wizard, wizard, right? Just the wizard. Yeah. Okay. Um, there was actually a moment I remember when he's like, the unicorns are coming out, and he's like terrified of it. He actually did have a very genuinely like awestruck look on his face when he saw those unicorns, and I was like. I believe you <laughs> of all the people in this movie. I believe you, sir. So yeah. Um, I understand that just what you means mean you've about been him. sleeping on him. <laughs> no, I mean, I've I always had, liked him. I had no doubt in his performing capabilities. <laughs> I mean, I didn't doubt him. It was just one of those where in that particular moment, you don't really expect anybody to be doing any real sense of acting because of the situation they're in. Uh, but he actually just, you know, I actually felt like he felt like a realistic person in the moment that that happened. So, yeah, he's great, though. I agree with you. I think he's great. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. I just, I feel like there were a couple of other, I, I, I feel like we covered a lot of the, <laughs> the issues and flaws with this movie. But, um. Another thing too was I remember when at sort of at the beginning when they they decide to go and um you know rescue everybody and they're on the news and then the parents just see them on the TV and it's almost like the dad has a realization that you know something's up with the kids but I'm like what what was the indicator for him because Adam Brody vaguely looks like Freddie <laughs> is that what his indicator was where he's like wait a minute, let me go check on the kids right now. Was that what that was? Or was he just saying, I'm going to check on them to make sure they're okay because of all this thing that just happened. That moment for me was really missing too, where I feel like what would have been your indicator that they were involved with this? Like it, it just didn't make sense to me. If you weren't, if you weren't under any sort of alarm when your house continues to get struck by lightning, but this whole person on the news that looks a little bit like your kid is what gets it. It just was a weird, a weird mesh up for me. But anyways, um, yeah, I mean, that's, I don't know. I just, I didn't really in, enjoy the, uh, dynamic, I guess, between the three sisters either. Um, yeah, that didn't really feel organic or genuine either. So, a lot of just, yeah, kind of half doing most things in this movie, which is why it only gets half credit for anything, which is more credit than Sterling gave it. So, yeah, that's that's all I got. Yeah. And back to the sisters, like no moments of no genuine moments where you felt like, okay, these are sisters who have grown up together for thousands of years. Not once. 
was there a genuine moment where you felt like, oh, they have a connection beyond we are just, I'm the god, the goddess of chaos, so therefore I am this way. I am the, you know, this character in this movie, so therefore I am this way. Just no, not one convincing moment where you felt like they were sisters. And if you're the odd sister out that winds up teaming up with the heroes and you <laughs> help in, in some ways to kill your other, your sisters who you've known for, again, thousands of years, there's no trauma in that. There's no like feeling of I lost my sisters or there's no, you know, and I, and I know a lot of movies do this kind of thing, but I just think it's funny, you know, eh, I don't feel anything for those siblings I lost, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I just, right. it, it just feels most movies so don't have like, them knowing each other for thousands of years either though, too. True. <laughs> Like, and all being very clearly different ages. Yeah, that too. But and, and I get it. I know that not all family members have great relationships or anything like that. Not saying it in that way, because, you know, there are some siblings that, you know, I'm sure out there that hate each other. And they're like, eh, 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 I hate my siblings or whatever. You know, I'm not saying that that is out of the realm of possibility. But yeah, it's the scenario that these sisters have known each other for thousands of years. They came into this. There were many conversations that they had about this. They came into this with a mission to restore what was their lost realm. You know, all of this was a mission to restore something that they've lost. And they were, you know, we're going to come together and do this together as sisters. And where was any of the 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 semblance that they were actually siblings that cared about each other because they didn't seem to care about each other at all you know they felt like strangers honestly <laughs> like yeah. three people that were randomly picked to do the same job <laughs> they're just like trying to figure it, out how to work together exactly exactly and if and if maybe if you would have explained that they didn't grow up together or yeah. Zeus kept them apart or if there was some sort of element that, that that human element that I could understand, like maybe they, they, they were kept apart. Maybe they, they were, were, you know, they were, they were just forced to fulfill their roles and they didn't have a relationship. And maybe they're one of them's trying to have one with them, but it's not working. Something, to make these people more interesting or relatable in some sort of way would have been nice, but you know, we just didn't bother. Yeah. Nobody actually cared about anything either because I'm thinking too about when Anne first meets Freddie and like, he's, you know, being bullied. She, I mean, she's like, Oh, I wanted to destroy those guys for you, but she just, she didn't do anything. Nobody did anything. He is so clearly in this hallway in front of everybody getting bullied hard and everybody's just kind of chilling. They're just like well, on top of that, a teacher walks up. Yeah. And does nothing. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Everyone's just like, and oh, this, typical Tuesday or something, you know. 
And this is not just like your normal student either. This is a handicapped student. I mean, he's walking around on a cane. Right. How many people would sit there? You know, now obviously all bullying is bad, but I think it's especially bad if you're sitting there watching a handicapped person get bullied, like a handicapped person that can, that they can't, you know, or has a cane or in a wheelchair or something like that. Are you really just going to sit there and watch them get bullied and thrown out of the, the, you know, you know, thrown out of the, the, the chair and, and kicked around and talked about and all that stuff. I just, how many people and staff and students are just going to sit there and watch that? You know, now I get it. People be on their phones filming stuff, filming the craziest stuff and not getting involved. So I get it. Yes. There's some of that, but it just, it didn't even feel like something that people were just allowed to happen. You know? Well, it was especially weird because he was like, they obviously did him like he's the cool teacher. Yeah. Be- yeah. Because you later see him in the movie just sitting in the cafeteria eating lunch with other students. Like he's the teacher that all the students like. And is it because like he just allows them to bully each other like openly? Like he walks up in it and he's like, hey, guys, don't do that. And they go, you're right, Mr. C, <laughs> until... I do it again tomorrow. <laughs> like, come on. Right. But then like, well, with, with the, some of the stuff too, like you got to think about it like this, like, Hey, why didn't the God of chaos whose powers obviously work on the super family? Cause she did it to, to Freddie's character. Why didn't she just tell them to fuck off? Yeah. Also, yeah. How did Wonder Woman bring them up? Because they're like, it would take the power of a god to do that. She's not a god. Yeah, she is the child of Zeus, but she is, by definition, a demigod. She is not a god. Mm-hmm. And just because what's-her-name got her powers taken away, would that not still make her a god? She is still 6,000 years true. old, even without her powers. She is still a god. Yeah. She is more of a god than fucking Wonder Woman is. Fuck this movie, man. Fuck it. <laughs> well, yeah. And anyway. how did Wonder Woman know where to find him? How does she know where he was What's being happening buried? even? How does she even know? If she got a letter saying, hey, can you come help us with this incident? She would have got there and the incident would have just been over. <laughs> How does she track down anybody? How does she know where to find him? How does she know where he was going to be buried? How does she know anything? Well, they could have at least pretended like, oh, let's write a letter. <laughs> let's have Steve write a letter to send to her or something. Well, but then on top of that, he got buried in the realm of the gods, which had been gone for centuries or like millennia. <laughs> yeah. He'd been gone for like a thousand, like, 3,000 years or whatever. Like, so it had been gone and she just pulled up to it. Like, she was like, man, I know exactly where this pizza hut is. Just <laughs> like you it. could just put that on a GPS, you know, like Realm or- <laughs> <of> the gods. <laughs> Starting route to realm of gods, you know, like, come on. Like, I mean, come on. Like, yeah, it's everything. Yeah, about it's really just 
The performances are, they are reacting to the lines that are coming before them. They are not acting. They are not, they're just reacting. That's all it is. And again, yeah, even with like, um, you were being way too generous. <laughs> I mean, but I mean, going back to the whole scene with him being bullied, like, even if you're not jumping in to like, be like, let me fight you to get you off of this person. Even just being like, Hey, stop being a douchebag. What are you doing? Like nobody even did that. Well, like, see, not, and that's the no, thing. Nothing. That's a reaction. They didn't do yeah. it. That's why I'm saying you're being generous. They weren't right. even reacting to what's happening. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. They you're right. The, it wasn't. It was like they're reacting when things are being said to them directly. But otherwise, you're right. They're just kind of chilling. Like almost like, you know, in WandaVision when it's like they're so far away from her that they're just they don't do anything. <laughs> like they're just kind of there as characters that just do nothing. That's kind of how they felt throughout this whole movie if they were like not directly being talked to. Yep. Fuck this movie. You guys got any more <laughs> thoughts? No. No, you said it. On that note, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. Check us out on the internet at www.cinemaslayers.com. Facebook, where we're Cinema Slayers podcast. Uh, Cinema underscore Slayers on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Cinema, uh, Cinema Slayers pod on TikTok. At Cinema Slayers Pod on YouTube, Cinema Slayers Podcast uh, at gmail.com if you want to email us. Um, shout out to Plug Migo and Mundo Ochoa for our theme song and logos, respectively. Uh, give us a five star rating and review. We'd really appreciate it. I don't know why I'm having such a tough time remembering the shit I say every fucking episode. Uh, but tell your family, tell your friends, tell your friends, family, tell your family's friends. And most of all, tell those dear sweet mothers because we're dear sweet mothers love. Um, nothing about this movie. Digimon, you were wrong. Oh, Digimon, that's fair. Hmm. I think Remember I was still right here, though. Well, it's it had Digimon. There's something to love. Uh. Remember, remember here at the Cinema Slash Podcast, we are bro, both pro slut and pro Sydney. And also remember, according to Justin, or nope, fucked it up. And remember, as I always end the uh, podcast, the YouTube videos, and the TikToks, according to Justin, Moon Knight is a Best Picture winner. Sterling, I think you need a specific sound now. That's like when you say typical sterling bitch fest like a sound that goes with that i can do something let me see i can do something like it's gonna be a typical sterling bitch fest (laughs) (laughs) yes i'm good with that that works yeah yeah I hope next week's not a bitch fest. I just have a feeling it it can't be. Surely not. It can't be. 
if I have to, if I end up having a bitch fest on a John Wick movie, you know I'm having a bad time. Oh yeah. I I, I mean, mean yeah. You just give up give up movie watching at that point if that happened. I mean, I've got so much faith in these next few weeks because we've got John Wick, then D and D, and then Super Mario Brothers, then Renfield, then Evil Dead Rise. Like, I theoretically should be having, like, the next, like, month of movies should all be fantastic to me. Or at least just good. Yeah. You know? I I, I, I mean, the biggest if is maybe Renfield. But for all, I mean, that looks fine. Yeah. Like, this, this upcoming month should be like one of the greatest months of my life movie wise. <laughs> I just everything on that list has potential. Yeah. And then it goes downhill cuz the summer doesn't look that good. Yeah. We have so many comic book movies coming up too, guys. We've got The Flash, we've got Blue Beetle. We've got Aquaman. We've got Joker 2. We've got Guardians of the Galaxy, the Marvels, uh, Captain America. Like, there's so many movies still to come out right now. Yep. <laughs> that's why I, like, that, that's what made me post that thing earlier today. I was like, are people burned out like we are? Or I oh, am yeah, and I, I forgot about the Sony ones. We've got Craven the Hunter. We've got Madam Web. <laughs> we've got El Muerte. Like, we've got so Spider-verse. many movies. <laughs> Which one? Spider-verse. Spider-verse. Fuck, I forgot about another one. There is so much superhero shit coming out. And if you're burnt out now, you're going to have a bad time this year. Most of the (laughs) ones I named are even this year. There's only two or three of the ones I just named are not this year. Mm -hmm. And another Batman. Fuck, forgot another Batman. Good it's stuff. never going to end. Probably not. Just, just please be better. Just be <laughs> better. Be phase one of MCU. Maybe even phase two. I don't know. Just be something at this point. <laughs> yeah. They're not even <laughs> anything anymore. They're just like, it's the same thing over and over again. Like, just be something. Yeah. I'm out of here. 